How many of you got your Christmas decorations down? Anybody besides me yet? <laughs> Feels kind of good, doesn't it? Always wait for the holiday. It's always fun setting stuff up. But then there's something about, whew, I'm glad when all this stuff's put back, right? <laughs> we have Christmas behind us. We've got New Year's behind us. And, uh, and now what? In my house, we're talking about spring break. <laughs> you know, you know, so it seems like we just live from holiday to holiday, right? You know, it's time to catch our breath. But, but what's next? You know, we've just had this uh, great holiday celebration, and we've got the new year in, and you know, what's next for us? I mean, do we really live from holiday to holiday? You know, sometimes it can seem that way. My family and I like to get family movies out every uh, Christmas, and we'll go back and we'll watch videos of when the kids were babies and when they started walking and when we took a vacation and you know, the birthdays and the holidays are in there. And we didn't do that this year, you know, because it was interesting because one of the things I've noticed, uh, there's a pattern that develops uh, when you have kids and you take pictures. Does anybody know what the pattern is? Your first kid comes along and there's 25 videos of everything that happens. Feeding, changing the diaper. <laughs> then the second child comes along and it's like, okay, you go get the camera. <laughs> you go get the camera. All of a sudden it's just holidays and you know, some major ones. Then, then we had the twins. We had four girls. And, and uh, by the time they came along, it was like, hey, it's Christmas. Go get the camera. <laughs> And so as we started watching the videos towards the end, it just seemed like it was Easter, birthdays, Christmas, Easter, birthday, Christmas. And that was just like Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. <laughs> there's got to be more than that, isn't there? I mean, we, there's got to be more to our calendars than just living from holiday to holiday to holiday, I think. You know, Jesus came and we celebrated Christmas, but he didn't just come to give us a new holiday. It wasn't just a, a holiday that we've got to celebrate. It didn't just come so we can you know, give thanks for the past and enter into the new year. And so Jesus didn't come to give us holidays. Jesus came so that he could what? So that he could radically change our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God came down. We can have a relationship with a living God who loves us and cares about us. And Christ came down. And we celebrated Christmas so we could have this radical new relationship with a Heavenly God. Jesus came so that we could have life and have it to the full. John 10.10 says that Jesus came so that we could have life and and have it to the full, to have a full life. There's an insert on the inside of your uh, program this morning. I want to invite you to take that out. It's a green insert, and up at the top there's two lines. And uh, if you don't have a pen with you, uh, then you can borrow the one uh, with the person next to you. But I want to encourage you to, on those two lines, um, just share... Uh, Just write it down for yourself at this point, but write down what you think God's will is for you for 2015. We've got this Heavenly Father, the heavens, you know, just the great I Am wants a living relationship with us, and He's got a plan and a purpose for us. And so as you think about God and your upcoming year, what are some things that you think that God has for you in store for 2015? So just write a a couple things down. And... uh, you want to do that, and so because this is, I want, I want to maximize uh, the benefit for our time together this morning, and a part of that is just having you think about, yeah, there's a God. What does He have for me this year? And so, if you can't think of anything right now, that's okay. You can put a little question mark by there, or a smiley face, or it's like you know, I don't know right now. Uh, but maybe you've got a clear sense of what where God is leading you and what He does have for you. And so, just take a moment to write that down. And there's a difference between asking what you want God to do. And what he wants to do in you, isn't there? I mean, it would be easy for us to say, here's a list of things I'd like to see God do. But if it was a personal thing and you were to say, 
and, and to God, God, what do you have for me? What do you want to do in my life? There's a difference between asking God what you want and asking him what he wants for you, isn't there? The difference is, is where is the source of the plan coming from? I mean, if I've got a plan and I'm going to list all these things down, I'll say, okay, God, this is what I want, then it's, then it's my plan. But if we put ourselves on the other side of the equation and say, well, you know, I'm not sure what this next year is going to bring. I'm not sure what is going to happen this year. And so, God, what do you have for me? And so just write down a couple things about what you think God would have for you next year. And I'm going to give you a, a couple minutes, maybe 30 minutes. We're going to come back and we're going to review these answers a little bit. And if you didn't have a chance to write anything down, that's, that's okay. If you had something to write down, there would be an opportunity for you to kind of go back and review that. But wouldn't it be great if all of us could walk out of here this morning with a clear sense of what God wants for us next year? Wouldn't it be great? What does God have for us next year? If we could all answer that question when we left here today, I think that would be fantastic, don't you? Romans 12.2 says this. It's on the top of your insert as well. It says, Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is then that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so we're going to leave this up for a minute because... This passage is really foundational for helping us to understand what God's will is, isn't it? Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Then you will know. And so what does it mean to conform any longer to the patterns of this world? What does that look like? You know, when I was uh, growing up, I grew up in California, and I was there probably about a teenager, and my dad moved us uh, to Oklahoma. And so I grew up on the beach, and uh, I was a kind of a West Coast guy, and uh, he moved us to California or to Oklahoma. When I got to Oklahoma, um, I had, I was a, the, the, it was a beach scene. So I had a mop on my head. So I had hair that was as long as the front as it was in the back. And uh, I was used to laying out in the sun. And I had my skateboard and I had my surfboard. And I just, I loved the ocean. And we got to Oklahoma. And uh, after about a week of being in Oklahoma, I thought, man, I am in trouble. Because my first day of school, I walked up. First of all, the school had... Uh, in, in my class in California, had, we, had, we had almost 800 kids in my third grade class. It was fourth grade class, I think, when I got to Oklahoma. When we got to Manfred, Oklahoma, there was only 500 people in the whole town. And so I showed up, and it was kind of like, I mean, I stuck out like this. And I showed up to class with my hair and my skateboard, and, and these guys all had guns hanging on the back of their pickup trucks and were chewing tobacco, and I just kind of stood there and I thought, this is going to be bad. <laughs> And you know what? I think instinctively, and this happens to every single kid, we want to conform. You know, I stood out like a sore thumb. And you know what? I didn't like that feeling. I mean, I was trying as quickly as I could to kind of identify with the people around me, right? If you've got young kids, if you've got high school kids, ask them what, they, what it feels like for them to try and fit in with their friends. If you can remember back that far, you know, for me it can be a stretch, but as teenagers, we learn really quick. We don't want to stand out. So that's just kind of something that's innate within us, I think, as we grow up. And, and we carry that with us as we get older. There was a study that was done on some, uh, some three- and four-year-olds, and, and the teacher asked the class, you know, how many kids like to draw and color? And everybody raised their hand. They all like to, to draw and color and crowns and pictures and stuff. And, and so let me ask you this. How many of you guys like to get your crowns out and draw and color? Anybody? There's a couple. Yeah, that's nice. You know what happens? 
Yeah, I do, I do too, actually. <laughs> in fact, sometimes I grab a crown because that's all I can find. What happens is, as young kids, they start to lose their creativity because it's like, well, nobody else wants to do that, so I don't want to do that. And, and what happens is, is, is kids grow older, the desire to want to conform to the people around them becomes so strong that it can actually just, it leads them into making wrong decisions. I mean, for me, as a kid, I mean, growing up, I mean, I would do anything. I did not want to stand out. And so I started hanging around the wrong people. I was easily influenced. And, and I got pulled into this pattern of the world really quick. And so what does it mean to, be con- to, to conform to the world? It means to try to be like all those people around you so that you can kind of fit in. But as Christ followers, we're not called to conform to the pattern of the world. Paul says this, don't conform to the pattern of the world. We're not supposed to conform, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so if you're a Christ follower, you are called to be different. And not just different in a little way, but different in a major way. You know, when Jesus uh, took Peter, James, and John up to the mountain, it's called the mountain of transfiguration. It's in Matthew chapter 17. It says that Jesus was transformed. His face was as bright as the sun. His clothes became white as light. They're walking up to the top of this mountain, and, and Jesus is transformed, and it's kind of like this, ha moment. There's just this huge transformation, and, and they're sitting there looking at Jesus, and it was like, wow, that is really bright. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're supposed to be different, dramatically different, in a way that, there is no way that we could be confused by somebody else that you'd see in the world. You know, when I was a kid, I used to really be afraid of caterpillars. I don't know why, you know, bugs. It was fuzzy. I don't know. I just didn't like a caterpillar. It was a, it was a, it's a creepy crawling thing, you know. It's like a bug. I didn't care for it. And so, but, it, you know, but we all know what happens to the caterpillar, right? You know, my kids, they, they you know, we'll be sitting out in the backyard and the kids will be like a bird will land. It's like, oh, that's a... <laughs> That's a red-headed woodpecker. Oh, that's a mockingbird. That's a, I mean, they, they know how to name all the bugs, and, and they know how to name all the, 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 the birds and stuff. And so uh, I know that there's a monarch butterfly, and I know that most people like butterflies. Those are usually typically thought of as, oh, those are beautiful butterflies. And when they flock together in a tree and they all take off, it's like this, oh, these are so pretty. And so you've got this monarch butterfly that started out as a creepy crawly caterpillar. And so there's this transformation process that says it was a creepy thing, and now it's just a, this beautiful thing. And so transformation, it's not just about being different, but being different in a major way. And it says that there's the glory of God just kind of manifests itself in Jesus. So you've got this caterpillar that is this creepy crawler thing that all of a sudden can fly in. is now beautiful. It says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed. Be changed by the renewing of your mind. And so how does transformation occur? By the renewing of our mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, encircle the word then on your insert. Because that then is the key to knowing God's will. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, His good, His pleasing, His perfect will for your life, then it begins by being transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's only then that you're going to be able to test and approve what His good, pleasing, and perfect will is is. And so when we think about knowing God's will, it's important that we understand it begins with us and about how we think and about how we see the world and how we relate to the people around us. You know, if we're going to know God's will, we have to be able to understand some principles 
for knowing how to have our minds transformed. We have to know, well, how do I change the way I think? What does that look like? So this morning we're going to look at these five principles for knowing how we can be transformed and how our minds could be renewed. And the first one is this. If we're going to know God's will and we're going to experience this transforming, mind-renewing principle in our life, we have to understand what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Because apart from Christ, you can't know God's will. And so if you don't have a relationship with Christ, then it's going to be difficult for you to kind of get in line with, well, what's God doing? You know, in this uh, next passage in uh, John 15:5, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I am a vine and you're the branches. And so he kind of has this farming imagery and, uh, you know, he's growing grapes. And so he's this strong vine and we're the branches. We're attached to it. If you remain in me and I in you, then you're going to bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so apart from Christ, we can't know God's good, perfect, pleasing, that, that will. And so we have to understand what it means to have a relationship with Christ first. You know, one of our houses, uh, one of the first houses Carolyn and I bought uh, after we got married, it was like a couple houses later, but it had a, had a grapevine in the back. And so um, and when we bought the house, the guy said, oh, that's my grapevine. You need to take really good care of it. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, just sign the paperwork. Let me move in. And so I got in. The first thing I started doing was whacking. I mean, it was all grown over. It was, I don't know, it was just uh, it was taken over. I started whacking those vines off, and I found some grapes. And I thought, hey, this is kind of cool. I got a grape, I got a grapevine in the back of my house. So I kind of cleared it off, and, and uh, I had all these, you know, about this big pile of brush. It was just a big nasty pile, and I looked back, and I saw the, the branches and the, the grapes on there. I thought, hey, this is kind of cool. Now, I'm not a believer at this point, so now, you know, 20 years later, I look back and I think, man, that was a great illustration of what it means to be connected to the vine. Jesus says that if you are connected to me in a sense that you're a part of me, then you will be able to do things. And so, but apart from me, you can't. And so understanding God's will for your life really begins with understanding who you are in Christ. It begins with understanding what it means to have made a faith commitment. You know, last week I was, um, there was a gentleman that came into Springbrook and and uh, had an opportunity to talk with him a little bit, and we were just kind of processing through how to have a relationship with Christ. We were kind of sharing our faith stories, and, and uh, just in the process of the conversation, he says, wow, he goes, how do I make a faith commitment? <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> it was great, because I walked him through how to make a faith commitment. We kind of talked through this a little bit, and, and he prayed right there in the lobby to make a faith commitment. That was just so exciting to be able to be a part of that process and see how God, God used our church with somebody just kind of walking in and wanting to, know how to have a relationship with Christ. It was so exciting. And after we got done, I could just, I could just see it in his face after we got done praying. He got done praying. He looked up and he goes, is that it? I was like, yep. <laughs> I was like, what's next? <laughs> Remain. Remain in me. And then and you will be able to bear much fruit. You're a branch. We're branches. We need to stay connected to Christ. And so having a relationship with Christ is, it's not just praying a prayer and then going on about your business. It's about staying connected it's about nurturing and growing your relationship with Christ. It's about bearing fruit. You know, we have been saved by God's grace through faith alone. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. There's nothing we, we can do to work our way into a relationship with God. We come to God humbly, and we ask him to come into our life. And when we remain in him, then we're going to bear much fruit. So the fruit bearing is a result of bearing, is about being connected to Christ. So we are bought at a price. We are not our own. God has a plan and a purpose 
for each of us. If you are a Christ follower, God has a plan and a purpose for you that he wants to accomplish. And a part of that is just how we bear fruit. Part of it is how we bear fruit in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our church, in our workplace. And so what does it mean to be salt and light in our communities and to share our faith with people around us? It's about understanding that we need to be connected with Christ first. And apart from that, we can do nothing. And so if I ask you this morning to, uh, to raise your hand, if you felt like, are you connected to Jesus Christ? And so when you think about what it means to be a, a vine and a branch, are you connected to Jesus Christ? Would you characterize yourself as having a relationship with Christ? And so if, if you would say, I'm not sure, or maybe, or I don't know, then the answer to that would probably be no. I mean, you either do or you don't, right? And so if you want to know God's will, as we head into this new year, as we celebrate the great I am, as we try to think through, well, what does God have for us in this new year? It begins by understanding that we need to be connected to Jesus Christ. If we want to know God's will, it begins with a relationship with Christ. The second thing that we have to think through is what does it mean to reflect on God's word daily? You know, if we're going to know God's will, if our minds are going to, if our minds are going to be transformed, then we have to reflect on God's word for the transformation. We're, we're all going to be influenced by something. And so what is it that influences our thinking? And, and we need to step back and say, what is it that's filling my mind? Is it TV? Is it the computer? Is it Facebook? You know, whatever it is. I mean, there's a lot of things that influence our thinking. And, and so if we're going to have our minds renewed so we can experience this transformation to know God's will, we've got to reflect on God's word daily. Now, my wife uh, and I were in uh, Arkansas um, yesterday. My father-in-law passed away, so you can be praying for Carolyn and her family. But it was uh, interesting because during the funeral, we had an opportunity to talk to different family members. The pastor that was there, he kind of shared a little bit about um, Shelley's uh, faith story. And so, you know, inevitably at a funeral, there's always the conversations about what happens after you die. And, you know, funerals are uh, times when people usually contemplate uh, those kind of things. But it was really interesting because... Um, our family had, had had an opportunity to visit him over Thanksgiving. And so we were in his uh, living room, and we were all talking. And so uh, they were in the kitchen. So I walked in the living room, and, and his, his TV remote was there. But then he had this nightstand, and it had the, the little book, Jesus Calling. Have you, have you got that? We've got those out at the lobby. Great resource if you're looking for something to do a daily devotional. And so I thought, wow, he's got the Jesus Calling. So I looked at it, and I opened it up just to see where he was. <laughs> you know, it was behind it. I opened it up, and the marker was like on that day. Shelley had been doing his daily devotions on a daily basis. You know, it was really interesting for Carolyn. I was just kind of, kind of processing through his life and just kind of letting her share some of the changes that we've seen in his life to know that, wow, there's, there's the power of God that transforms somebody's life. And it was reflected on, by the fact that he was really in God's Word daily. You know, we need to be in God's Word if our minds are going to be transformed, if we're going to be able to really tap into this power that God has for us and know his will. Reflection is an important part of how our minds are changed. In fact, if you go to our uh, website, uh, springbrook.org, down at the bottom, um, there's a little box that says um, this month's memory verse. And uh, you can click on that, and then there's a little box that says past memory verses. And uh, if you click on that, it'll take you to an application called Scripture Typer. And uh, there you can see uh, the Springbrook memory verse collection. We've got all of our memory verses uh, that we've done each month. I'm on the scripture typer. And one of the things that's neat about it is that whether you run it on your computer or your cell phone or your tablet, whatever you're doing, is that it has the ability to have you kind of be prompted um, on a day or week basis, whatever it is, on kind of memorizing different passages. And so it's kind of cool because all these memory 
uh, verses that we've put out. You have an opportunity to memorize those. And as you reflect on God's word and you memorize that and you let that soak in, it changes your mind. And so you take something like a little application like scripture typer, and, and those are things that help us to be able to have our minds transformed. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. It says that all scripture is God-breathed. And it's what? It's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so we are equipped for every good work. We're equipped to understand what God has for us. We're equipped to understand his will for us as our minds are transformed as we reflect on Scripture, which is God-breathed and useful for transforming us. So don't let other things transform you. Focus on memorizing, reflecting on, and meditating on, and reading Scripture. I'm pretty selective about um, what I read. It can be easy uh, to pick up a book or to watch a movie or I was uh, on the airplane. I flew back last night, so I was on the airplane, and, and uh, I was looking down. There's American Way magazines in there. So I opened up the magazine. I'm kind of flipping through it and thinking. And I'm, I was reading this thing for probably about 30 minutes. I thought, wow, you know, I mean, it's just it's easy for us to pick up stuff. You can be standing in line at the grocery store and pick up a magazine, or somebody can say to you, hey, I read a good book. It's like, oh, that sounds like a good book. And there's a lot of great books out there. I was talking to uh, one of our small group leaders about um, the book, Crazy Love is a study. It's like, it's a great book. You know, there's a, there's a lot of great material out there to read, but there's no substitute for reflecting on and meditating on, on God's Word. That is where we experience genuine, God-honoring transformation of the mind. It's the way that we transform and, and, and we learn to think differently. We don't want to be like the world. We want to think differently. And so we read different stuff and we have to reflect on God's Word if we're really going to get in line and understand what God's will is for us. And so we need a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and we need to reflect on God's Word daily. And the third thing we need is um, we need to be able to rely on the Holy Spirit. If we're going to understand God's will and if we're going to be transformed and we're going to be able to change the way we think, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to do that. We can't do this on our own strength. I mean, we can try. I mean, I grew up trying to make changes in my own life. The first, you know, the first uh, 10 years of uh, my marriage, the first 30 years of my life, I tried to do it all on my own. And, uh, you know, we can try to do it on our own, but in the end, it, it, it really doesn't typically work out. We have to rely on our relationship with Christ and God's Word to transform us. And then we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to do the work. Now, where is Jesus right now? We celebrated His birth at Christmas. God came down. We had Emmanuel. We had the baby in the manger. And we had this life-transforming thing that happened. Where is Jesus now? He's in heaven, right? Everybody say He's in heaven. <laughs> Jesus Christ is physically in heaven. You read through the book of Acts at the very beginning, and it's like they're talking to him, and he ascends to heaven on, on a cloud. And so Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father, physically in heaven right now. It wasn't a spiritual thing. Where's the body? Christmas is coming. The grave's empty, right? And so Jesus is physically seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. In John 14, uh, verse 26, Jesus is talking to his disciples. I'm leaving you. Don't worry. Don't panic. The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. And so we have the Holy Spirit that has been given to us to do what? To teach us, to guide us, and to remind us of everything that is in this book. You know, it's interesting because I can talk to people about, it's easy to talk to people about God. First thing you have to do is figure out, okay, well, what God are we talking about? Most people will talk about God without really having a whole lot of conflict. 
But the second you start talking to people about Jesus, what happens? It's like, wait a second, the conversation's taking a different turn. Talking about God and talking about Jesus are two different things. Most people are uncomfortable talking about Jesus because it's like, wow, there's just too many questions around him. He's a controversial figure. It's like, well, who are you to tell me what to believe? You know, like, and so talking about Jesus all of a sudden changes the conversations with people at work or in your workplace or in school or in your neighborhood. You know, what's interesting, as difficult it is as it can be to talk about Jesus with people, have you ever had to try to have a conversation about the Holy Spirit? When we talk about God, we can talk about Jesus. When was the last time you had a great conversation about the work that the Holy Spirit was doing in your life? I mean, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen instinctively. But Jesus says, look, I'm gone, but you have the Holy Spirit with you to teach you all things, to remind you of everything I have said to you. And so if we want to know God's will, if we want our minds to be transformed so we can experience his good, pleasing, and perfect will, we have to rely on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I have uh, Roger Mills is going to come up, and I just want to just, just kind of illustrate this issue of what it means to to trust and to rely on the Holy Spirit. And, you know, sometimes it looks like this. So, so thanks. So thanks, Roger. So I'm, I'm going to ask Roger to face this way now. Watch this. Okay, Roger, I want you to uh, just, just fall back. <laughs> Good job. How did, how did it feel while you were doing that? There's a point <laughs> I was trying to decide how far I was going to get back. <laughs> thanks for coming up. So what made him fall back? It was just trust. I mean, he just knew that I was, I was going to be back there. He thought I was going to be back there. It was funny because the, during the first service, I had asked a couple of people, hey, would you be willing to come up on stage? I was like, eh, maybe. And I said, what do you want me to do? I was like, I want you to fall back. I have one person said, there is no way. <laughs> I'm like, well, you don't trust me? He's like, I don't think you can catch me. And so, you know, and so it takes a certain degree of trust to know that, hey, look, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch you. And that's kind of what it's like with the Holy Spirit. We've got, the Bible says that we have the Holy Spirit that is going to teach us and remind us everything that we've been sent to. And we need to rely on him. Well, I just don't know what that feels like. You're right, you don't. Sometimes it is a renewing of your mind and changing the way you think is a process. But God's word is faithful, and it's true, and we can count on it. And so relying on the Holy Spirit is really just trusting that God has your best interest in mind. It's about placing your faith in there and doing and stepping out there saying, okay, God, I can't do this in my own strength. I'm going to do it. I need you, I need you there. And that's exactly where God wants us. You know, in Acts 1.8, it says you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you'll be witnesses. And so when we try to get out there and do things on our own, we're doing it in our own strength, and we're subject to fail. But if we will rely on the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, it's there that we find clarity. It's there that we get a sense of clarity about God's leading yeah, I didn't put this verse on your passage. I wish it had. If you have a pen, write this down. It's, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Paul is writing uh, to the Christ followers uh, in the city of uh, Corinth, and he says this. He says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Your body, if you're a Christ follower, is a temple of the Holy Spirit that is in you. You got that from God. You are not your own. You have been bought at a price. The Spirit of God is external in the life of somebody that does not have a relationship with Christ. The Spirit of God is guiding conversations and just working, drawing people into himself. The Bible says that no one comes into a relationship with Christ unless the Father draws him. And so 
That gentleman that walked through our doors last week, the Spirit of God was drawing him here. It was guiding our conversations, and it will continue to help him grow. The Spirit of God is external in the life of a person that does not have a relationship with Christ. When we come to Christ and we say, I need you in my life, we're asking him to take residence in us, and the Holy Spirit comes into us. That's 1 Corinthians 6.19. And so that we need to just, we just trust that. You need to trust that the great I am, the God of the Bible, is going to give you his Holy Spirit. And as you reflect on his words, as you listen to those promptings, as you're in conversations and study, God is going to change the way you think. God speaks to you through his word. We talk to God through prayer. And so when I'm praying, I'm talking to God. And I can read his word, and that helps me talk to God. But when I read God's word, and I reflect on it, and I meditate on it, that's God's word speaking to me, changing the way I think. And the Holy Spirit is the one that fosters that process. John uh, said in chapter 14, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, is going to teach you all things to remind you of everything that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is inside of us, transforming the way we think and the way we behave. And we need to rely on his power and his presence to be able to accomplish those things. And so we rely on the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have to have a relationship with Christ. We have to rely on the work of the Holy Spirit. We have to reflect and study on God's word. Now the fourth thing that we need to be able to do, if we're going to really allow our minds to be transformed, the fourth thing that we can do is that we can request feedback from other people. We can request feedback from other Christ followers. There's a lot of people whose opinions, you know, when I was growing up, I had a lot of people that had shared their opinion with me, but they weren't all good. And so uh, we need to request feedback from other Christ followers. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, it says this, where there's no guidance, people what? They fall. But in abundance of counselors, in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. We need to ask for help. Now, I was talking to... Um, a gentleman yesterday after the funeral, and um, I'm going to send him a copy of this message because he told me, he said, the reason I don't ask for help is because I don't want anybody knowing my business. I said, well, what's the matter? I don't want anybody else to find out. I said, well, if I tell you, you tell somebody else. I said, no, I won't. And he said, well, you just say this guy, and then he, everybody's going to know who you're talking about. And I'm like, this guy? Nobody knows this guy. <laughs> Who's this guy? You know, there is no sin. There's nothing that you've experienced that somebody else hasn't experienced already. There's no sin that's not common to man. This guy is 50% of the world population. There's, there's, no, there's, there's, there's anonymity in a sense that we share some, some of the same common struggles. And we have to ask for help. We have to be able to say, hey, look, man, I, I need you to pray for me in this area. I'm struggling in this area. What do you think about this? You know, it says that when there's no guidance, what happens? Somebody falls, trip. They fall. They fail. When we don't ask for help and we don't get guidance from other Christ followers and people around us, we're setting ourselves up for a fall. But, I love that word, but, in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Isn't that great? I know it can be difficult sometimes to share our past. You know, it was, uh, um, it's interesting. I, I'm not a Facebook fan. I have to manage our Springbrook Facebook page and one of my daughters canceled their account. I started to cancel my account. I thought, oh, wait a second, I can't. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting friend requests from friends back in high school. I'm thinking, man, some of these, some of these people are like, you're a pastor? My goal is to try and 
to bring Christ up, not to have him say, wow, how can you be a pastor? <laughs> you know what? Jesus, when he went back to his own hometown, isn't this the carpenter's son? What? Who are you? You know, it's the work of God that transforms our life. We rely on his, we rely on his Holy Spirit to do the work, and we have to talk and, and get feedback from other people. And when we're able to do that, it's, it's there that we find safety. That's where growth happens, when we start talking to other people and sharing our struggles and getting feedback. First John says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and, and just and will forgive us our sins. It's important that we share and talk to, to others. It's a part of how we grow. In First Thessalonians 5.11, uh, it says this, Therefore, we're to encourage one another and build one another up, just as, in fact, you're already doing. Encourage one another. And so not only do we ask for help, but we encourage those around us. You know, it's interesting. I grew up in a plumbing family. You know, we were all plumbers, and we had, uh, I had what's called, does anybody know what plumber's language is? <laughs> I grew up with plumber's language. And uh, I tell you, when I, had, when, I, when I first made a faith commitment, that was one of the things God really convicted me of. I had to, I had to watch the way I talked. It was like, hey, that just it didn't make sense. It didn't, it didn't match up. And so I made this faith commitment, but my, my mind hadn't been transformed yet. I was still growing, and I was remaining connected, but that was one of the things God had to change in me. And, and I had a couple of guys that would come along inside of me. I was, in, I was playing a, I'd gotten invited to a church basketball game, and I was like, yeah, whatever. It was basketball, so I went to church, and we were shooting, and I fell, and I, 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 I thought I broke my ankle. It was really, it was a bad injury. And, and I fell down. I was like, oh my gosh, my ankle hurts so bad. <laughs> I had a guy walk up to me and goes, you know, this is, this is a church. And, you know, it's the, it's, he's like, you, know, you watch the way you talk, man. I was like, yeah, but my ankle, <laughs> my ankle hurts. He's like, man, I'm sorry. Here, let me help you out. But, you know, watch your language. <laughs> I'd have some other men to kind of speak it into my life saying, hey, dude, you know, shape up. <laughs> When we get feedback from other Christ followers, it makes us stronger. It creates a sense of safety. It, it transforms our mind. And, and we need to get feedback and request it from other people. We need to ask for help and we need to get help. But I know it can be difficult. You know, we have a, a whole list of, of Christian counselors that we work at uh, with Springbrook. And so uh, Pastor Dan and I and Pastor Justin and, and our small group leaders, you know, we're equipped to kind of help people to think through, you know, life situations and life circumstances and, and uh and uh, here's what, you know, kind of bring the Bible to bear. But we also have a group of people that are gifted counselors that can help people really get to the root cause of issues in their life, kind of create a safe environment for you and to talk through that. And so um, I would encourage you that if you've got something in your past or just something that you've struggled with, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. That fear of asking for help really prevents a lot of people, I think, from experiencing God's best for them. There's a, you know, the expression is, is until the... the um, the pain ex- exceeds the fear of sharing. Nothing happens. And so we can be sitting there thinking, oh, well, it's not that painful. I can manage it. I'm not going to ask for help yet. And all of a sudden, we get hit. It's like, oh, well, wait a second. That was kind of painful. No, I can manage it ourselves. And, and then all of a sudden, we're sitting over here. And it's like, wow, how did I get in this mess? Well, if we had asked for help way over here, then it would have prevented a lot of pain from being experienced. And I think that if we ask for help earlier, it puts us in a better position to allow our minds to be transformed. It gets us in a better position to really know what God's will is. And if we're struggling with stuff on the inside and we're holding back on it, it's really preventing us from experiencing you know, God's best for us. We have to get to the position where we can, we can request feedback from other Christ followers and get ourselves in positions of relationship. And that's what, one of the things that's great about small groups is just being able to talk through with one another things that are going on in life. 
You know, you don't have to bury your soul in a small group. And so, but it is a great opportunity to say, hey, wow, man, I'm, you know, I don't know if any of you have raised kids. This is a lot of work raising kids. Uh, did, did anybody know that besides me? <laughs> and marriage, <laughs> that's a lot of work. You know, that's, that's just, it's, it's a lot of work being married. I've been married 29 years. And I was talking to somebody that had been married uh, 50 years. And I was like, does it get any easier? He's like, no, it doesn't get easier. <laughs> marriage is a lot of work. And, you know, you've got kids. Is it, is it, if you're in high school right now or if you're in middle school, is it, is it easy going to middle school and high school? No, it's not easy. I mean, we need other people around us that we can kind of process through and encourage, uh, you know, others with. And I can tell you, you know, the, this women's retreat coming up. Ladies, I know we have, we have 10 tickets that uh, we still need to sell. Uh, ladies, this is a great opportunity to get together with some other ladies to be encouraged and uh, just to grow together. And I'm telling you, guys, if you have not signed up for that Men's No Regrets conference, don't miss it. I'm serious. It is a great conference. We've got six great platform speakers. We've got some workshops in-house. It is a fantastic time. All the feedback that we got from the 100-plus guys that were there last year said, this was great. It's going to be a good conference. And if you haven't registered for that, it's a great opportunity to kind of to be around some other men so that what? So that you can start to change the way you think, so you can experience transformation, so you can get in line with what God does want for you. You can want a better marriage till you're blue in the face. Until we can get to the point that we can kind of submit ourselves to what God wants to do and put ourselves in a position to let him do the change, we just can't, we can't get there. We can't do it on our own. You know, Jesus submitted himself to his Father's will. I love, you know, we celebrated communion a little while ago, and we, we talked about the new covenant that we have, and we have the benefit of looking back and saying, well, yeah, Jesus is who he claimed to be. But that's not what they were doing back then. It was like, oh, wow, is this really the Messiah? <laughs> Some of the disciples were still doubting at the time, and so we have the benefit of looking back and going, hey, we've got this new covenant, and and so we can look back and we can celebrate that. But, you know, it's, I love communion, but I also like, if you go a little bit further back, I like the picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with his father right before the crucifixion. It was that intimate moment where he was with his father. And he was looking at the cross. He knew the cross was coming. I mean, that's what he was born for. And he saw that coming. He said, wow. He said, you know, if there's another way to do this. If this cup can pass, you know, please take it from me. But not my will, but yours be done. You know, Jesus put himself in a position and said, hey, I, I, I really don't think I want to do this, but, you know, not my will, but yours be done. And he kind of submitted himself to the Father's will. And he had the disciples around him to, you know, for the most part, encourage them. You know, just this idea of being in proximity around other believers is really an important part of how we know God's will. But so is this issue of submission. And that kind of leads us to our fifth and last point, is that if we're going to know God's will, we really have to get into the position where we, we resolve to be obedient. We have to resolve to be obedient. In Romans 12:1, uh, the first part of that passage in Romans 12, um, it says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so we offer ourselves... Physically, but we also have to offer ourselves up spiritually in a sense that we have to put ourselves in a position to submit to somebody else. And submission is difficult, isn't it? You know, I do. I talk to a lot of couples, and and uh, and you know, the, and when I'm talking to ladies, and it's like kind of I've got four girls, and you know, my wife, and so I've got I've got a whole house full of girls, and so it's kind of interesting for us to talk about from a biblical perspective. What does it mean for a, a wife to submit to her husband? And I hope you know, my prayer is, is that I've been a a good biblical model of what submission looks like so that my girls aren't afraid of, of getting married. But, you know, uh, I think sometimes it's like, well, we have the harder part because we have to submit. And then I look over at the guy and I say, I, say, oh, I, I don't know which one's tougher because 
the husband is called to sacrificially love his wife as Christ loved the church. And so what does it mean to sacrificially love as Christ loved the church? It means to, to die for her. The husband has the responsibility of leaving his father and mother and clinging to his wife. Clinging. It's your responsibility, men, to cling to your wife. But she doesn't. No, but. Cling to your wife. And so I don't know which one of those is harder. Is it, is it a higher calling to say, your role is in responsibility is to cling to your wife and let nothing come between? Nothing come between you and your relationship with your wife? Or is it more difficult to say, I have to submit to his leadership? Those are both. It's a difficult it's a difficult call for both. But this area of submission is one that we're all called to be obedient to what God has called us for. And so we, we all have to submit ourselves to God. And so, you know, I, I was talking to one of the girls. I was like, well, you don't know what it's like to submit. It's like, well, I, I have to submit myself to God. Christ had to submit himself to his Father. And so there's a, I have to submit myself to other leaders. I have to submit myself to our elder board and to Pastor Dan. And, and so we do have to submit to one another. As a part of the body of Christ, we, there's a submission and so we all have to, to, to submit. And so our, our body of Christ is to call to submit to our leadership. And submission is difficult, but we have to resolve in our minds to be at a point where we are able to be obedient to what God has, has, has called us to. In Ephesians 2.10 says this, We're God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love this passage. This is one of our key passages in our spiritual gifts class. In fact, we have a spiritual gifts class that we're going to be um, starting up towards the end of January. If you don't know your spiritual gifts or if you haven't had an opportunity to come through our class at Springbrook, I really want to encourage you, if you have the opportunity, um, to sign up for that. We offer it every quarter. Um, But this is one of our key passages. You know, you are God's handiwork. You have been created in Christ Jesus. Remember, you're not your own. You've been bought at a price. We submit ourselves to God's will. And God has a plan for us. And that plan is to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you were formed in the womb, God knew you. Before you were born, God knew in advance what he had for you to do. And so God has given you a spiritual gift. Well, I, would, I don't like that gift. I want this gift. <laughs> yeah, but that's not the gift God gave you. God gives us spiritual gifts for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. He's given us this gift to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. I love singing. I, love, I tried the... I tried the trumpet, I've tried the guitar, I've tried uh, the piano. Um, I have a passion for this, but, but you don't want me over here. <laughs> I am so grateful for John Jackson. I am so grateful for our worship director. I'm so grateful for our worship team that comes together each Sunday morning and they, they use their gifts in a way that we are blessed. I'm glad God's given me the gift of, of apostleship and leadership and faith and, and God's wired me. God's wired Pastor Dan, and God's wired a small group leader, and God's wired our children's ministry team. And I mean, it's neat because what happens is, is when the whole body of Christ comes together and they're using their spiritual gifts, you know what happens? The body of Christ is built up, it's made stronger, and we're able to accomplish what God has for us together. And so a team is not one. And so God has a plan for me, but he also has a plan for us together. And so we have to be obedient to that. And so we're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if you want to know God's will, and part of that is just saying, well, how, what spiritual gift has God given me? He's given you a gift for a purpose. It's kind of like your job description. When you go to work, there's a job description, right? So when you go to work, you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing. If you're in school, you show up, and, and there's a syllabus there. There's some books you're going to have to buy. There's some homework you're going to do. And, and so there's, there's a syllabus there, or there's a job description, and 
And so we, we're in this world, and we don't have any problem understanding what we're supposed to be doing out there, but all of a sudden we get to the church, and it's like, <laughs> what am I supposed to be doing? You know, we have a spiritual gift. It's your job description. So if you want to know what God's will is for your life, a part of that is just knowing what your spiritual gift is and then being obedient and using it so that the body of Christ is being built up. And so these principles, this is not an exhaustive list, but as we head into 2015 together, it's my prayer for each of us that we'd be able to draw closer to God. I pray that this year that God would just, just, just blow our socks off with what he wants to accomplish in and through us. It begins with each of us, though, individually putting ourselves in a position to change the way we think, to be transformed so that he can accomplish what he wants to accomplish in our lives. Now, on the bottom of your insert, there's two lines there at the bottom. And, and I don't know if, if you look back maybe what you were thinking during the first time. I want to give you a moment just to, uh, uh, to, to reflect back on these five principles. And as you think about 2015, which one of those principles do you have a sense of, hey, God may be leading you to say, hey, look, if you really want to know my will for you this year, if you're really going to be transformed, if you're going to take this seriously, you know, which one of these principles kind of affects the way you think about the, the new year? You know, we have, uh, we have classes. We have our baptism class. Um, if you want to know how to have a relationship with Christ this morning, uh, I want to encourage you, don't walk out those doors before you get that question answered. Our prayer team is going to come up in just a moment, and I'll be here. I'm at the end of the service. And so if you want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ, I invite you to come up. I'd love the opportunity to talk with you about that. Any of our prayer team, I would love the opportunity to talk with you about that. It begins by understanding your need for a relationship with Christ, and it builds on that. Does that make sense? And then we have to remain as we do the other four uh, principles, and we play those things out in our life. And so we have classes. We have, we have membership classes. We have baptism classes. We have small groups. And so our ministry is designed to help people be equipped and to grow towards spiritual maturity. And so discipleship is an underlying theme of why our ministry exists. We exist to reach our community for Christ and to build up passionate followers of Christ. That's our vision statement, building passionate followers of Christ. And it begins with helping people understand their need for a relationship with Christ and then building on those other four principles. So I'm going to ask our prayer team to go ahead and uh, come forward now. And uh, I want to invite you to, uh, as you're thinking through that, we have, um, I think uh, we've already collected the welcome slips. And so, but if you want to know more about, you know, membership, go to our, go to our website. It's pretty uh, comprehensive. I want to thank, uh, you know, Christine, um, uh, Jerome, and uh, Chris Green, and Sarah Mason, and there's one more in there. We had a team that just really did a lot of work on our um, website, and so I want to thank them for that. Dave Green did some great work on our system stuff, and so um, go to our website and check it out. All of our classes are on there. You go to the calendar, membership classes coming up, baptism classes coming up. If you want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ, if we can help you this morning, uh, come up after the service, and uh, we'll pray with you, and we'll kind of process uh, through that with you a little bit. Um, would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for this day you've given us today, and I thank you for the opportunity we have uh, had to come together this morning. Uh, to just to worship you uh, and to hear your word uh, taught in a way that um, our minds are transformed. I know that there's a lot of things in this world uh, that want to try to pull us into it. Sometimes it's friends, it's work, it's just life circumstances. Uh, man, the world is just constantly trying to conform us to its patterns. And uh, But God, we want to, like Paul, we don't want to do that. We want to be transformed by the way we think. And so God, I pray that you would renew our minds as we head into this new year, so that we can have a handle on your will for our life. 
And God, I just thank you for this day you've given us, and I look forward to the great things that you're going to do in each of us individually as we head into this new year and, and collectively as the body of Christ uh, as we work together to accomplish your plans. And so, God, thank you for this time in Christ's name. Amen.